Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, November 11th. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, who's in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, it is Veterans Day today. So we want to wish all the veterans who listen to Satellite Sisters a very special day, don't we? Yes, we do. We thank you for your service. We thank your families for supporting you in your service. And we hope you feel honored today. Leon, it's also faux fur day here in uh, Dallas, Texas, because it's kind of chilly. <laughs> Can I tell you, we're, have, we're part of that. Or I know California is not, but the middle of the country, it's faux fur weather. Everybody's got their faux fur on today, Leon. I am enjoying the many, many photos of faux fur that are popping up on the Facebook page. That's many Fs. <laughs> So, a lot going on today. Yeah, there is a lot going on today. We have a full show. We have international news. We have personal news. We have some product news. Julie, I'm going to tell you the story of a big corporate food fight. I think you're going to enjoy that. And then my dog did something this weekend. I can't even... I, I've been laughing about it since it happened, so I'm going to save that for the end of the show. But first, I have to do a little personal promotion you know, in addition to doing these smoking podcasts, uh, I am a novelist. In my free time, I write women's fiction. And so today, my two novels, Helen of Pasadena and Elizabeth, the First Wife, have been chosen as the Kindle Daily Deal of the Day. I failed to mention this on... Um, <laughs> I failed to mention it on Sunday, but I'm mentioning it today in case you're listening to this show on Tuesday, November 11th. My novels are available for your Kindle device for $1.99 each. And wow, that's a fantastic that's a fantastic deal. Well, right? you know, it's a fantastic deal. And you know what, Julie? This is a real um it's a kind of a coup because last year my books were the Kindle Daily Deal and they don't all Amazon is this you know giant algorithm. There's no there there. Like there's no one you can call and go, "Hello Amazon, could I ask you a few questions about how you pick your daily deals?" So we just the publisher uh, just got informed like a couple weeks ago that they have chosen them again. That they did very well the first time they were the Kindle Daily Deal. So the algorithm decided, okay, another shot for Elizabeth, the first wife, and Helen of Pasadena. So if you are a Kindle user or you have friends who are Kindle users and you want to spread the word on this, I would much appreciate it. It's really fantastic to have this opportunity to reach new readers and to sell a lot of copies. That looks good because I'm working on my third book. And so the more I sell of my first two, the better it looks for my third book. Well, that, that's really good. But just 24 hours, right? Just 24 hours. People just November to, yeah, 11th. Yeah. Okay. I know so, you posted it at the Facebook, but this is an ideal thing that people can share on their Facebook page. Uh, and you can't beat that price, Leanne. No, that's, that's awesome. a good price. So just yeah. if, if you... Uh, are... I need a lot more for your books than that, Leanne. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, just you can just Google, you know, Amazon Kindle Daily Deal and it will pop up. There are other books there too. Every day you get a they have a daily deal in various categories, but mine are in the romance category today. So I just wanted to let everybody know. Uh, and that is that. So, Julie, what, what you went to a wedding this weekend? Speaking I of romance, did, I did go to a wedding this weekend. Now, my daughter-in-law Vera, um, as you know, as if you're a listener to Satellite Sisters, you know that my son married Vera, the lovely Vera from Kyrgyzstan. She is Russian, but uh, she uh, and her family grew up in Kyrgyzstan, and you can look on the map to find that country. It's a real country. Well, anyway, um, Vera's younger sister Lena. Um, has also come to Dallas, and she has been a graduate student at the University of Texas um, um, in Arlington. And Leanne, she is getting like, she's already gotten one master's degree in operations management. She's so darn smart, Leanne, I can't even tell you. And now she's getting a second sort of engineering-based logistics degree. So it's things that you and I cannot even imagine. No. It just make our brain hurt, you know? No, I know. When I talk to the sisters, they're both so good in, like, math and logistics and engineering and, yeah, some serious, serious uh, science going on with those two girls. Yes. So she is talented and she's beautiful. Lena <laughs> is absolutely drop-dead beautiful. And she is also just one of these women – 
that is just so feminine. The way she's, you know, she's always, her makeup is perfect. No matter what her outfit it is, you know, it's just adorable. I mean, she, it's, she's the beautiful and talented Lena. And yeah. She, um, and yeah, there she, are no sweatpants in her rotation. Never, never, <laughs> never. And, uh, but about a year ago, she met Wade from Waco, Texas. Oh. Okay. Wade from Waco, who actually lives in Arlington, very successful guy in, in, he's in engineering logistics as well. Um, and they fell in love and they decided that they wanted to get married. Um, so, um, uh, you know, so, but they wanted to do a low key wedding. So when I heard that the two sisters, Vera and Lena were planning a low key wedding, of course I volunteered, you know, I wanted to do it. <laughs> to really jack it up as right. they say, and say yes to the dress. You really jacked it up. Well, as you know, Leanne, <laughs> my name is usually not associated with low key. You know, no. is it? People don't usually usually say Julie Loki. No, that that doesn't go together. So essentially, they shut me out of the wedding planning. Okay, because they just kind of knew that I that, that they would not get what they wanted if I was heavily involved um, with the wedding. And I should also say, in Russian culture, weddings are a little different. Um, it's very typical even now for people get married much younger. They get married when they're eighteen, nineteen years old. Okay, and usually it's no more than going to the equivalent of the DMV. Uh, you get, you know, your papers signed. And then the Russians, because, you know, they go and visit uh, Russian monuments for some reason and they drop, bring flowers. Like that's oh. the big wedding ce- celebration. They do drop- some, yeah, quite a few cultures do that. I remember being on a business trip in Taiwan at, at uh, some of their big national sites and there were quite a few brides taking wedding pictures because that was something they did too. Yep. There so anyway, the lovely Lena and the handsome, strong, silent type Wade from Waco uh, got married in a civil ceremony on Saturday, on Friday, and then they were having a wedding celebration at the Dallas Arboretum. I don't know if you've been to the Dallas Arboretum, Leanne. I think you, you took me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a spectacular yeah, It's beautiful. Place. Yeah, yeah, if I've you, been there. If you ever, it is a sort of one of those top 10 um, spots that if you come to Dallas and you have the time, it is, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's, you know, overlooks a lake and it's spectacular this time of year. They, they do like a giant pumpkin gourd festival and the plantings are beautiful and they have a lovely old mansion there and they serve lunch there. So the plan was that they had reserved three tables and we're going to do a simple lunch and, you know, and have that a very- does sound nice and simple and lovely and low key. Low, low key. Yeah. And, but the nice thing about it is that I'm not, I'm still not involved in it. Right. I'm trying to find out details, but they've shut me out. They're talking in Russian as they're planning. <laughs> My Russian is not good enough to like follow the conversation. But the other thing about the Arboretum, it is the kind of place where, you know, any day of the week you go there, you see brides because it's a it's a location people go and take their bridal portraits Mm -hmm. there are lots of quinceanera girls dressed in beautiful gowns having their pictures taken family portraits are done there and lots of weddings go on there so it was a very festive location to have you know, a wedding celebration, beautiful uh, uh, day here in Dallas too, you know, clear skies in the seventies. And we, you know, Wade's family is super nice. They love Lena. They're so happy to have her. Oh, that's nice. So it was really, really a happy occasion. But I have to say these two girls, Vera and Lena, because Vera has been to a number of family, uh, Dolan family weddings, she picked up, uh, she picked up some, I saw some, some things that were reminiscent because, Vera did all the flowers um, for the uh, for the party on each of the table, and they looked a lot like the beautiful flowers that Megan had at her wedding. Oh, okay, all right, with calla, nice with calla lilies. Because oh, beautiful! Apparently, calla lilies—that's a, a very typical flower in Russian for Russian weddings. They always have bouquets of uh, calla lilies, so that was that was a nice touch. And Lena had even made little gift boxes for each place setting you know how we had little mints at Catherine's wedding oh yeah we had those and then the other thing that I thought was just so sweet you know at Catherine's wedding because it was outside on Cape Cod Mm -hmm. and Catherine had come up with 8,000 pashmina shawls don't you know those two sisters (laughs) they gathered up all the shawls they had and on each at each chair for the women there was a lovely shawl oh that's super nice all right excellent 
So all in all, super nice wedding, really, really well done. They achieved low key land and everybody, <laughs> despite my best efforts to jack it up, to jack it up. It was, it was everything that Lena and Wade um, had, had wanted and hoped for. And uh, you know, that's there. That just, it's really, you know, weddings are great when you see a couple that are really crazy about each other and that, you know, so happy to have found found each other in life and you know that's you know what are the chances of you know wade from waco meeting you know lena from bishkek kyrgyzstan but there they were you know happy as can be and of course lena looked spectacular i bet i bet yeah, yeah, yeah. i bet so, well and how nice for vera to have a sister here in texas on a permanent basis very nice yes really yes great. really great about that so well leanne you know uh so lena as I said, looked spectacular. I, I opened the papers this morning and I have to tell you, there could not poor President Obama, you know, I don't know if you've seen the papers, but there's the Asian summit is going on yeah. and this is, and it's a rotating summit. So every year and it's a, in a different Asian country. And as is the tradition of this summit, the host com- country provides shirts of their country for the guests, uh, for the world leaders to wear. But I believe. Oh, so this is a tradition. This is a tradition. Okay, I was confused. No, 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 no. When I saw the photo, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here to explain these things. But I believe there was a secret committee meeting in Beijing uh, where they sat around and said, "What color would make President Obama look?" as bad as he possibly could. <laughs> and I think they found it. It's sort of this maroon, Nehru, it's just horrible on him. He looks terrible in it. And strangely, uh, Leanne, Putin, that silicon-injected, pasty Putin, he actually looks good in the maroon. <laughs> looks I think it's all I think it's I think it's very deliberate in an effort, again, because there's been a lot about, you know, that the, the Chinese are trying to you know, really uh, put uh, Obama at a disadvantage. They're, tr- you know, they put stuff out in the press that he's this lame duck president. And of course, then they gave him the maroon shirt. So, <laughs> so this is twice in two podcasts that you've blamed the Chinese for things. The first for the the hostage release. Yes. You, you, you had a diplomatic theory on that. And then once again, okay. Yes. Okay. But here is another behind the scenes drama that happened. Yeah. Uh, the AP reported that um, at this event where they're wearing these um, hideous maroon shirts, um, that the president of China's wife, who is a big, she's a big folk singing star in China. She is in fact, more popular, you know, than, than the president, she, I mean, she's in, in, she's a star in, in and of herself. So think of sort of like, I don't know, um, Carrie Underwood or someone that's who the president. Oh, really? Yes. She's like the Carrie Underwood of, (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first. Okay. Uh, Wow. Now you're making stuff up, but okay. (laughs) Okay. But Apparently, Mrs. Xi was sitting next to Putin at some outdoor event, and it was pretty chilly. So President Putin took a shawl that was, again, placed on the chair. I thought you were going to say took off his shirt and gave it to her. No, no, no. The bare-chested shirt. (laughs) Yes. No, he didn't do that. Okay. But put the shawl on Mrs. Xi's shoulders, okay? It was a very gallant move. But in fact, it insulted the president of China, because it made him look like a doofus, like yeah. he wasn't taking care of his woman. Of Carrie Underwood, in, yeah. Yes, he wasn't taking care of Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie. And he had, and in fact, you know, because the, the Chinese press has gone out of their way to sort of present this couple as a very loving couple. You know, there's lots of pictures of them holding hands, picking flowers. So here was the Russian president sort of, you know, taking care of, you know, uh, the president's, you know, woman. This was, this was wrong. And it was, it was such an offense that Mrs. Xi, she realized, Carrie realized that this was a bad situation uh, because the Russian president had put on the shawl that she sort of like wore it for a second and then she shook it off her shoulders and put on her own black coat. Wow. Oh, that is dramatic. That's that's dramatic use of a shawl. 
Yes, it is, Liam. <laughs> Shawl diplomacy. But it gets even more dramatic. Okay. This was so offensive to the Chinese that in China, they have scrubbed all photographs of Mrs. Xi in the shawl or the videos of President Putin putting the shawl on the president's wife because that they've they've shut that down on the Chinese Internet because they don't want the Chinese yeah. people to see this. And of course, Putin, you know what he said? He said, this is what we do. We like to make sure our women are warm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that man. That man. But uh, our shawl gate. I see. This is really a big deal. But it was, it's a big deal to the Chinese. So. It does seem a little cheeky to sort of at a big, you know, summit to approach someone else's wife in that way. It's, well, or a spouse in any way. Even it was, the- well, it was cold, Leanne. And there, you know, she's there and it was, and they had the shawls on the back of the chairs, which of course, you know, that's, so he was just trying to be, you know, kind and friendly, I mm. think. But, okay. you know, but the Chinese know he's a divorced man and they've seen him, the pictures of him without his shirt. He's highly regarded <laughs> in China because of that. So anyway, you won't be seeing these pictures if you go to Beijing and you try to look up this summit. You will not see those pictures. All right, I'm going to when I get a there's, chance later on, I'm going to try to look it up here. Oh, there's my dog. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, shut, shut up. All right. Uh, nice, Julie, nice. this. This is a story that really caught my eye because I know you, like me, feel one of the best products on earth is Hellman's mayonnaise. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And there's no substitute for it, Leanne. Don't, don't talk to me about Miracle Whip. Right, right. Well, keep that in mind because this is a story about Big Mayo, okay? Here's big the deal. Big, you've heard of Big Oil? Now there's Big Mayo. All right, here's the deal. Uh, there is a company called Hampton Creek in San Francisco, and they have produced a vegan spread that they call Just Mayo. All right. Okay. Here's what's in the vegan spread called Just Mayo. Mm-hmm. Canadian yellow peas, canola oil, and lemon juice. All mm-hmm. right. So it's eggless. Mm-hmm. It is eggless mayo because it's vegan. Mm-hmm. And they have taken some ads out that said, in taste tests, our mayo performs better than Hellman's mayonnaise. All right. Well, you know who didn't really enjoy this? Hellman's. All right. <laughs> Mrs. Hellman's didn't like that. Unilever, of course, the big Dutch food company, the British Dutch company that owns uh, Hellman's is now suing Just Mayo because uh, they said, and this is, I think, critical. Your product isn't mayo. Okay. Mayo, mayonnaise has eggs in it. You're just a spread. So, so you can't compare yourself as a better mayo when in fact you are not mayo. <laughs> Ooh, that's, those are strong words, Leanne. Yes. According to Unilever, they are just mayo is blatantly misleading consumers. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I feel passionately about mayonnaise and other people passionately hate mayonnaise. So with the same passion that I love a touch of Hellman's mayonnaise. So here's the thing, just to assure you, just in case you think this is some David and Goliath thing, like, oh, you know, poor Hellman, poor just mayo, the vegan mayo is getting beat up on by the big Dutch British conglomerate. No, no. You know who actually is the financing behind just mayo? Uh, let me see. Is it Mark Zuckerberg? It's uh, close. Bill Gates and really? the richest man in Asia, Lee Kashing. <laughs> Kashing. Uh, so um, there you go. This is not just some poor vegan spread trying to get a little shelf space. This is. They have to crush it. They, they, have have to, they do. They crush that, that spread. <laughs> yeah. This is it. So but people have gone online, you know, fans of the vegan mayo signing a petition asking Unilever to stop the lawsuit, but they will not be stopped because they believe in mayo. You know, they want to keep mayonnaise pure and <laughs> crushed that's, Canadian peas. That's not mayonnaise, Julie. No, it isn't, Leanne. <laughs> you heard it here first. It is not mayonnaise. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. But Miracle Whip, they, they call it, they're a spread. They're a spread. Yeah, yes, see, they're not mayonnaise. Using the term mayo, and the, the vegan company is saying, listen, that mayo's just mayonnaise has <laughs> eggs, <laughs> but mayo. I, I like how you pronounce mayonnaise, Leon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very emphatic. I'm going to keep my eye on this because I'd so like how, to. How, what, we can, what can we do to support Mel, um, Hellman's? Should we? Oh, should, should we start a petition? I don't know. Yes, I, don't really... I feel like. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I because really don't want that confusion. You know, those vegans are pretty well organized. They I mean, are. They, well, they, they are. have a this Andrew Zimmern, Zimmern, you know, the food guy, Andrew Zimmern. He's kind no. of the radical food guy. Okay. He, he mounted a petition in in uh, support of Hampton Creek Just Mayo, and it had 10,000 signatures by Monday afternoon. See, so this I, is what I mean. I think we have to have, we have to support Hellman's Mayo. Because what if, what, if, what if they, what if it went away, Leon? What would we do? I don't know. I'm certainly not going to eat crushed yellow Canadian peas. I'm not going to put that in my tuna fish. <laughs> All right. I'll look into starting an online petition. I know there are places you can do that now. Okay. But... Maybe we can go to Hellman's.com. Maybe they, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they don't, I think they're run. Well, it seems like they're taking appropriate action, but yeah, uh, no, they're going to crush Bill Gates, uh, and, and in a condiment war, which I'm excited about. So <laughs> okay. condiment war. Well, some sad news though, uh, also coming out of the, um, sort of the consumer product area was the news news about Tide pods. You know, these are the laundry detergent pods made by Tide that more than 17,000 children have had some kind of, you know, exposure to them where they've, you know, and 700 children have been hospitalized because they've eaten them or, you know, or eaten part of it or so it's a really serious risks. Um, And I'm sad about this because I love the pods and I feel like they're going to have to do some, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I'm, I guess parents must not realize that they're attractive because it would seem like in a laundry room, you could keep them away from your kids. Like that yeah. is confusing to me that they're out in the open, but I guess people just leave the boxes on top of the washers and dryers. But right. I feel so, uh, I feel like maybe, um, maybe, you know, just getting the word out that, Hey, put the, put the pods up top. It is a shocking amount of kids sticking those pods in their mouth. I know. I know. That's a lot. I mean, when you can, but you can see it, they're colorful, they're purple and, and orange, you know, they're not too big. They, they're attractive. So I was thinking maybe they should just make them all black or something like that. Maybe that would. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Make them less colorful. Yeah. Or yeah. just all white yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. got to do something. Make them out of crushed that's... Canadian peas. Then no one will want to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly won't clean your clothes. Okay. Well, it seems like Hellman has a lot to do as well as Tide. P&G, how, they get to work on that. You have to fix that problem. I mean, that's too many kids. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. No, kids. I know. I was surprised when I saw that number. Leanne, I, I, you know, we normally do not talk about divorce a lot or take pleasure in divorce here at uh, Satellite Sisters. I mean, divorce is a very serious matter. It's, you know, it's usually, a, you know, a sort of a sad time. It's a hard time for people. But there was a spectacular divorce um, settlement listed in today's paper that I just... You know, we talked, uh, I just have to talk about, you know, how Gwyneth Paltrow um, and her husband there start, started the conscious uncoupling. Yes. And I saw in the papers this weekend that there was a couple in San Francisco that sort of embraced this. And they went to the beach uh, near San Francisco for a con- for a sort of an uncoupling ceremony where they gave each other back their rings after, you know, 10 plus years of marriage. Uh, so... Uh, but there was not so I can think of the many, many ways my husband and I have uncoupled in, in public places. <laughs> but not on a permanent basis. Not on a permanent basis. There's been some public uncoupling. There's been some public... <laughs> Okay. okay. Well, then maybe you can appreciate what happened to Harold and Sue Ann Ham. Uh, they're from Oklahoma, and uh, they just announced their divorce settlement. Um, Sue Ann Ham is getting one billion dollars as a divorce sell- settlement, Leon. One billion. Not wow. Enough. Good for yeah, her. Yeah, Harold has done pretty well. Yeah. Hey, you know, they were married for I guess over twenty years. Uh huh. The, um, Sue Ann um, was her, was his was his second wife, uh, but she was, the, you know, Harold is CEO of an oil company called Continental Oil Company. It's the largest producer of oil in North Dakota. Oh. So I don't think when they married twenty five years ago, that they weren't doing any fracking then. So I'm not sure Harold was worth the thirteen billion that he's now. Worth. Oh, he's worth thirteen billion. He, okay. He's worth. $13 billion. Wow. So anyway, something happened. They decided to uncouple and 
two and a half years of, you know, divorce proceedings, Leanne, two and a half years. Uh, Sue Ann, who had been an attorney or is an attorney with uh, with the same company, with Continental, she, her legal team, divorce team, rec, um, requested over 600,000 pages of documents as part of this divorce proceeding. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's a lot of legal fees. That's a lot of legal fees, Leanne. So they did, they came up with the number one billion dollars. So Harold has only paid Sue Ann uh, $22 million to date. Uh, but apparently, I didn't know this with billionaires, but he just can't write a check for the remaining $970,000 uh, uh, that he owes Sue Ann at this point. So he has set up an installment plan. Oh, fantastic. A monthly installment plan. So isn't that nice? So that for the remainder of the money. Uh, and Sue Ann gets two homes and a ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harold, he's going to get the third home and two horses, which apparently makes him happy. <laughs> and the hand tools land. Oh, good. Now you got a billion dollar divorce yeah. settlement going yeah. on, and apparently there was some dispute about the hand tools. Would you ever? <laughs> would you ever? You know, men like Are your you, tools, Jewel. They feel they very. Do. Maybe they both wanted those tools. Who knows? Maybe she also enjoys hand tools. I, I, <laughs> does, does seem like a small matter, but small but okay. important. Small okay, but important. Okay, but God. But apparently the the big one of the other big stickler issues was a geode. You know, a rock, a geo. Oh, okay. No, I don't know because I'm not married to a geologist. <laughs> you like know, you what I, you know they're, they're sort of smooth on the outside and you uh-huh. look in and it's all crystallized. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. They, they those sell in like natural the, history gift stores. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, they owned a, a geode, Harold and Sue Ann. And Harold very much wanted to keep that um, w- along with his, you know, the remaining $12 billion. Uh, <laughs> but Sue Ann said no. I want the geode. Oh, wow. And she took the geode. She got a <laughs> billion dollars and a rock. <laughs> I tell you, Sheila would have settled for that. So uh, that would have been good for <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> I know. I know. That is a lot, though, Leanne. You know, you think. Uh, it does every- make you think. Like, just, I know the numbers are crazy, though. But, you know, she got a billion and he got 12 billion. Yes. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, what? Why didn't she get six and a half billion? I understand her well, lawyers wanted more. I can see why. Right. Well, they may they may appeal. They okay. May, I don't know. So it may go on. So I'll sometimes I'll... those stories like this, like this, makes me angry. I mean, it, good for her. She got a billion dollars, or you know, but but it's still sad. It's a divorce, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the average divorce woman does not end up with the billion dollars. So right. when stories like this get a lot of press. It just belies the fact that most women end up like much worse off economically after their divorce. They are not, in fact, taking men to the cleaners like this. So, uh, but so I'm happy for her. I hope she spreads the wealth. That's what yes. I say. Okay. Hope Good. she spreads Good. the wealth. Okay. Oh, oh, you know what? Okay, it's my turn now, right? It is I was. Your turn. It is your turn. <laughs> what are you doing over there today, Lynn? No, I just I thought. I just had the, I didn't have my name next to the mom story. Um, All right. So there was a piece of the New York Times this weekend, got a lot of uh, traction and social media, a lot of people talking about it. And it was, what was the name of the writer, Julie, who wrote it? Her name is Heather, uh, Heather Havreleski. (laughs) You want me to say that again? Yeah. Because that's all you had to do with this story. (laughs) I said, do you have the writer's name? You're like, I got it. I did. It. I wrote it down. That's her name. I, I can't help it that I can't pronounce it. Okay. It's Heather Havrileski. Okay. She's a contributor to the New York Magazine and New York Magazine. And she's author of a memoir called Disaster Preparedness. Okay. Right. So she's uh, a writer that writes about, you know, issues from a, a female point of view, from a, about motherhood, about women. And so she was taking the stand in the New York Times opinion section that she was against the whole idea of the mom culture, that once you have kids, you are sort of relegated to the word to live this mom lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. mother used to be just part of your job description or part of the way you thought about yourself, but now you're part of a mom lifestyle. You're referred to as mom by total strangers. You're expected to like do mom things and wear mom clothes and have mom activities and sort of travel in packs of other moms. And uh, she said she wasn't really for it. That was the point. Like she 
didn't want to buy fully in to the mom lifestyle, that she had other things going on. And she kind of resented being just lumped in this category of mom. Would that, is that a fair assessment of her that point of view? That is a fair assessment. She would prefer to be referred to as a female parent. That's what she said, rather than being a mom. Okay. That I she can doesn't... tell by the tone that you said that, Julie. Yes. Like, you do not agree with Heather Schlabalala, whatever her name is. <laughs> look it up, Lynn. I'm I looking it up now. I'm looking I, it up now. I, I said it correctly. <laughs> Lynn, I really feel like this article... The placement of this article very prominently in the New York Times, um, this is sort of the intellectual equivalent of, you know, Kim Kardashian in some sexy revealing outfit. It's just to get attention. That's all this woman wants is attention. This is a ridiculous argument and a ridiculous point of view. Okay. I mean, there, when I, I mean, when I read it, I really got mad. I thought when you like, you don't want to be called mom. What's the matter with you? Okay. Okay. You should be so lucky. Okay. That you have children when many people cannot have children. Okay. You should be lucky that you're, you know, that, that you've been given that opportunity and, and you don't want to be called mom. You want to be female parent. (laughs) She's made it up, Leanne. She just wanted to get in the New York times. And as soon as you say something with the word mommy in it, they put you in the New York times. And then the, you know, as you said, you know, the, the, uh, the social media goes crazy. And so now Heather, we, Heather H. <laughs> Heather H. Is going to be famous. Okay. And she's going to sell, she's just trying to sell her memoir. When I read this, I was like, this is what Leon should do. Leon writes these fantastic books, but what she hasn't done is written some like stupid argument to put in the front page of the New York times. You know what? I had the same thought. Why didn't I write this article? I should have written this article. Do you agree with it? I I agree with certain aspects of this, Julie. And you know, what's interesting is that, you know, I've always, because of the way like we produced the show and when it came out in the lives of my kids, I was sort of quote the young mother on the show. When we started, my kids were young. They were like two and four when we started on the air and people have watched them grow up and that's been great. And I was surprised when people started coming to me and asking me for advice. And so I really sort of staked out that area, thought I I need to do more homework here. I need to do more research. I need to kind of stay up on all topics in terms of parenthood and motherhood and, and dealing with kids and studies that come out and that kind of thing. I took my role pretty seriously. I I had a column in Working Mother magazine called the Chaos Chronicles. Um, But I always felt like I didn't want to write just about parenting. I always felt like I wanted to talk about motherhood because that to me was a broader topic and that included sort of parenting and being a mother, but it also included, you know, health issues and work-life balance issues and nutrition issues and political issues. I just thought that was a broader area, but I really winced at the word mommy. And I remember very distinctly having a conversation with Liz when I was, the Chaos Chronicles was the name of my column in Working Mother magazine. And I batted around that name with the editor and she suggested something with the word mom in the title. And I resisted. I said, you know, I think that becomes kind of this, you know, this trap. Not that I don't love being a mom, but I am other things too. And so when I was thinking about what should I, should I carry over that name for a website, you know, the chaoschronicles.com, Liz and I batted around a million mommy names. She's like, you know, Leanne, that's where the money is in the mommy names. And I was like, (laughs) I, you know, I mean, Liz is a marketing person and she was right. You know, all those blogs, it was just starting the mom blog thing started to happen. And so, uh, and I resisted, I was like, I just can't go down that path because I am going to want to write about other things that may not be mommy issues. And I do think that now that word is used when you, even you hear the term mom blogger, it kind of relegates you to like a lower status. And I've seen that at conferences, mom, you know, you know, blogging conferences where women are kind of resistant because at first it was a point of pride, but then it becomes a way to sort of put the issues to the sideline. So I, I'm not in total disagreement. Like I, you know, I'm, I, I'm okay when the doctor calls me mom, you know, when you're at the pediatrician and he mm-hmm. refers to his mom, I'm obviously not the doctor's mom, uh, and that kind of stuff. But I, I do think like it, it does allow people to be dismissive of some of the issues you talk about. 
So it is not that I am not proud to be a mom and happy that that's part of my identity, but it's not all of my identity. And I think that's, to me, that's what she was saying. That when someone came up to her in a bar and there were five women out having drinks and some total stranger said, ooh, mommy's night out. Like that, that would, I'd want to punch that guy. <laughs> well, Leanne, that was, I was just about to say that was such a fair and balanced reaction to the article that I was almost feeling badly about what. No, no, you made me feel bad. You made, you made me feel bad. Cause I was like, no, of course I love being a mother, but like, I, but I don't, but that's because you have some negative association with the word mom or mommy. And I don't think you should. I mean, I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't, don't have like I when my own kids call me mom, that, I don't mind. But when my, I, when, what I think or what I'm doing is sort of relegated to, Oh, here are the moms. Like we're this, you know, block of people that have nothing to do, but, but parent our children. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation with some mothers this weekend. I was at a, um, the, uh, the board meeting for that group, the American Women mm-hmm. for International Understanding. And the women, I think there would fair to say a generation ahead of me said, I think you mothers of your generation have a much harder time because you're just expected to like be on top of your kids 24 seven. Like, you know, if you're not like fully engaged in everything your kids are doing, people point fingers at you. And this is before that article, this article came out. And I was thinking it is true with all technology and we're just supposed to be helicopter parents now and supposed to sort of give over our whole identity to that role. And I think it, it, it is kind of a little bit of a trap to yeah. me. But I don't think that Heather H. is going to be any more powerful in her life if she just insists on having people call her a female parent. Okay? Okay. Right? I really focused on that. I can see that. But just irritated me. Okay? And, I, and again, I mean, the issue, it's, you know, she doesn't like the name. It's because somehow the name, indica- you know, suggests things that are not powerful, that are not that are not important. And I, and I don't, I don't, I don't make that same connection. Okay. That, that's uh, that's fair. You know, that's fair to say, right. That's, that's fair to say that you don't make the same connection, but I, you know, I feel like, um, you know, again, when we were thinking of trying to think of our name for satellite sisters and I, it's the way I feel about the name, like the term, like chat. Remember we were yes. talking like women chat or girl talk, or I, I, you know, that it's that sense that it's sort of less important than the talk that people who are not right. girls do. Like we just, we really kind of batted that around too. What does that really mean in those terms? I mean, it, it may sound crazy, but it does when people are like, Oh, it's just girl talk. You know, we had so many male executives say, what do you guys talk about sex? Yeah. That's all girls talk about all the time. Grown, <laughs> grown women with jobs and yeah families and issues. yeah that's all we talk about sex so i don't know so I, I felt the same way i about that like there are just certain words that that are have become you know slightly dismissive so i i'm okay with heather h's point of view but i'm okay that you disagree jill okay lan <laughs> okay well, mommy talk to I, okay mommy i'm glad <laughs> Two mommies. I'm glad. No, I am glad we talked about it. I think that's good. Yeah. Another another family topic that was again in uh, in the news, and that is about the issue of family men taking family leaves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the law, Leanne. You're right. allowed to take family leaves. And the New York Times profiled, um, uh, you know, a very successful guy who was working with. Um, you know, a, a big con- accounting firm, and he wanted to take some time off with, you know, for his young daughter. And just about how treacherous, still, how treacherous that is for male employees, you know, for fathers to take time off um, to be with their children. And all kinds, there's all kinds of social science research that men who take an early on hands-on approach to their children are much more likely to be involved in their life. And the kids are are likely to be healthier. The moms also benefit from this by having the father involvement, that there's a real decrease in the amount of cases of depression. So, but for men, it's still super, you know, it is negative. Men taking time off for their family in many cases results in lower pay or you're passed over for your promotion you know, if you are choosing your kids over work, there's still a stigma, you know, mm-hmm. and that uh, I think as I read this article, I thought, OK, this generation, that's your job. 
you've got to figure this out. Right. You've got to no, figure out, you know, our generation, we were the first women that went back to work and, you know, it was hard and awful and we made all kinds of mistakes. And, you know, and I think this generation has benefited, will benefit from it as, as working moms and working parents. But I think they have to figure out how to make it better for fathers who want to be with their children and that, you know, and that for, you know, for parents who want to really co-parent and have that, you know, back and forth stuff, that there isn't some negative stigma. And uh, they, you know, the article mentioned things that are going on at Facebook and Google and some of these uh, new, you know, exciting new companies. Um, but it's still really, really hard, you know, because these are companies where the culture is you work all the time, seven, you know, seven days a week. Uh, yeah, I think part of it may just be attrition of boomers as management. Yeah. Because there is a difference between, you know, uh, what the boomer fathers, the time they spent, and now the Gen X and Gen Y fathers. So they, there's that as those people retire and, and you know, the next generation comes into management, there may be, uh, you know, people more sympathetic to that. But it also just shows, like, again, what crazy double standards we have because we expect yes. mommies to quit their jobs right. or do, you know, uh, how dare they go back to work. But fathers, no, you're supposed to be involved and, you know, so important, but you stay at stay at the office. So we still have a lot of work to do in that area right. about how we think about, you know, being a female parent or a male parent, Julie. Right. No, no, I, exactly. A male, a male parent. Okay, Leanne. Okay, okay. Joel. But that's the assignment for, for this generation. For, okay. okay. They have to figure that out. All right. That's I'm putting that on them. Okay. And you might want to do it because there's one more. This was a chalk. You know, I don't always buy the New York Times on Sunday, but this it was chock full of stories that, that sort of I wanted to talk with you and the other sisters about. And there was another little just a little blurb uh, that caught my eye. And it was a story in the New York Times style section about something called the fainting club. Um, and this is uh, the definition of the fainting club was it is a group of an incredibly fabulous women who all come together to help one of the ladies who fainted. OK, that this is a true story. That's how it started. It was started by a Los Angeles artist, Zoe uh, Crocher. And uh, so she gets together with this, you know, incredibly fab fabulous women and they support each other. They have, they eat food and they, uh, they talk and they support each other. And so now they have started chapters in other cities, uh, Mexico City, London, Hong Kong, but they also have one in New York. And if you go on to the New York Times online edition and Google or not Google put in the fainting club, they have a nice story about the New York uh, fainting club. And you'll see a lovely picture of my daughter-in-law, Lauren. I, with I'm her, looking with at her, it now. With her cute bangs. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, she's quoted in the article because, of course, she is one of, you know, she's part of that incredibly fabulous women. But <laughs> what struck me about this article, and I sent this, I sent the link around to, you know, I get together with a group of my college friends, uh, uh, you know, once for a hundred years, for a hundred years, we are <laughs> our, our name. We call ourselves the aging models club. That's, <laughs> so that's our name. So I sent the article around, um, and the consensus was, we love the name, the fainting club. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a very good name for it, but really, how is this a news story right. that women getting together to support each other? Right. <laughs> Like, this Julie, I started reading that article this weekend and I was like, what? I didn't know Lauren was involved at all. And I just stopped after the first paragraph. I was like, oh my gosh, women in Brooklyn getting together. Yes, that's a story that deserves to be in the New York Times. I was so annoyed. You were annoyed at the mommy story. I was annoyed at this. It's so funny that Lauren's in it. But I know, how is this news? This is what women do. We get together. We get together and talk. It's sort of the essence of what Satellite Sisters is. Right. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't do food, uh, but, uh, we talk about food. Didn't we talk about mayo on this very show? Leah? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, they do have some nice looking articles in the online version though. So I will definitely put that, um, put that uh, on the website. I will put a link, go to satellitesisters.com. If you want a link to this breaking news story of <laughs> women getting together and eating and talking. <laughs> 
But Lauren sense. looks good. Lauren's Lauren. You'll see she has yeah. the bangs. Yeah, she looks good. She's uh, well. All the women in the article look just like Lauren too. I know it's they quite do. A, it's... I know they do. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Ooh, so good great. luck to the fainting club. Just keep up the good work. Start some more clubs. Women, big idea. Get together and talk to each other. Support each other. All right, Jewel. Um, okay, something happened this weekend. Uh, honestly, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to share too many like look at my cute dog stories. I, I leave that to Liz basically on the show because yes. she has the cutest dog fairies. But you know, I have. My almost nearly 10-year-old German Shepherd, Mia. We hear her every show. Um, you know, she's been starting to do some things that have made me question whether she has a little doggy dementia. or oh, really? um Yeah, or, you know, we sh- I have taken her into the vet. We're sort of watching her maybe for some cancer or some, you know, a brain tumor. Because that's how my other German Shepherd died. This is my second one. Mm-hmm. And so I remember kind of the funny things that my other shepherd, Mika, used to do sort of near the end of her life. And, you know, Mia has that sort of vacant look in her eyes sometimes, like, who are you when I come in the door? All right. Really? No. But she's also, I described some behavior changes that she seems, for nine years, she was perfectly happy to like sit on the couch. And now Mm -hmm. she has figured out if the front door is not absolutely dead bolted perfectly, she's figured out how to open the front door with her nose. And she is very interested. And I know, and, and we have an old front door. So yes. it's, so you think you'll latch it a hundred percent. And then I hear her like downstairs trying to get out the front door. She's I can been, never open your front door. I know <laughs> people can't open my, I can't even tell you. And yet she has figured out with her long nose and a body weight, and she's just on guard for opportunities to, you know, get out and, and wander around the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, she loves to go. She's very friendly for a German shepherd, unusually friendly. So here's the deal. I was out walking with a friend Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. I came home and Brooks was on, Brooks said, you are not going to believe what just happened. One of the neighbors just brought Mia home on a leash, but here's the story. Here's the story. (laughs) He said, they are also German shepherd owners. They've had two dogs and I ran into them last week and they just adopted an older shepherd, uh, like a four-year-old shepherd. So he's in his driveway, uh, going out for, uh, he's going to go run some errands and all of a sudden there's a shepherd next to him and he thinks it's Lucy, his dog. That they've just recently adopted. So he doesn't like, really spend much time with Lucy. Well, he's, right? Lucy's brand new. And so uh, he said, hey, Lucy, you want to go run some errands? And it's not Lucy. Julie, it's my dog. And she hops in the car. They, <laughs> they go out. They run some errands. She goes to a dog park with them. He comes home. She goes right into their house. And like sitting there in, in his kitchen is another German shepherd. And he, <laughs> he looks at his wife. He's like... Whose dog is that? And she's like, whose dog is that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's making, I mean, he's like, what? And then they put it together like, oh, this must be Mia from down the street. She's totally fine. Mia was game. She was going with it, right? Hey, Lucy, how are you? Yeah, just, hey, I'll get in the car. Go run some errands with the total stranger. <laughs> thanks, thanks for taking me to the dog park. I mean, just. It's <laughs> excellent. So, oh my! I I have laughed for days just thinking about the look on his face when he walked in with, with what he thought dogs. was his German Shepherd. So he said, "Like, what dog? Whose dog is that? It's our dog. Whose dog is that?" Oh my gosh! Okay. Well. There you Seems are. like a good time was had by all. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no harm, no foul. Now right. she's really going to want to get out. Of course she yeah, is. Yeah, like now that she's seen that other people will take her on errands into I the know, dog park. she doesn't get to do that with you. It's the fun zone down the street. <laughs> she's going to make her move now as long as the, the guy down the street still isn't really clear what his new dog <laughs> Looks like just jump right in that bed, right? She is youthful. She's youthful looking. She's very youthful. Anyway, oh, it really made me laugh. 
Okay, so uh, I just want to let people know while we have been on the air, I have dropped from like 10,000 in the paid Kindle store to 3,100. So that's Woo-hoo. good rankings. I'm number seven now in literature and fiction, humor. Uh, books are dropping. So please, if you uh, enjoyed the book and want to spread the word with your friends, post on your Facebook page or send out an email. I totally, totally appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Boat books dropping like a rock. That's good. That's fantastic. It's exciting. I'm not going to get anything done all day because I'm just going to be refreshing my Amazon, <laughs> Amazon page. <laughs> Seems like time well spent, Liam. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, Jewel? You got anything I else think going it. on this that's week? That's it. Okay. Well, you know, I have my book, big book club that okay. I totally overthought. You know, <laughs> so we're supposed to have a low-key meeting. Is anyone coming? And yes, Sunday people you said are now no coming. coming. People are now coming. So, okay. uh, so I had to rush out and, uh, and get a lot of books. So there you go. <laughs> but I'll mention your book tonight. At, 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 you know what? Could you? It's, it's 24 hours. It's November 11th only. People can just go, boom, there you go, right? Directly yep. loaded onto your Kindle. So that would be fantastic. Okay. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, everybody. Um, if you're ever looking for anything, uh, I can't guarantee everything is at SatelliteSisters.com, but we do have a search feature. Someone asked this week, like, could you tell me the name of the show where, Julie, you did something? I don't know. You dressed I, up. I can't remember. I got changed during the middle of the show. Oh. I was changing my clothes. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, do yeah. you have any idea when that no. show was? No. Yeah. Here's the problem. We do not. <laughs> we, we don't have the man. To catalog every show. So any kind of, yeah, someday we're going to have multiple interns and they're going to go through all the shows and they're going to describe everything in it. But we have done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of shows. So it's hard for us to remember really what decade uh, we did the show in. (laughs) Never mind. But we try. We try if we can. Sometimes, actually, it is as simple as going to SatelliteSisters.com. The search feature is on the left-hand side of the page. And you might just type in that. You might be surprised that something like that would come up. uh, Because we did, for many years, do keywords and things like that. But there is no, like, one page with everything on it. Like, every single thing we did. So, that's that's our best guess. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's a super good answer, Liam. Thank you. All righty. Okay. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>